Good message, good song. Some of you guys need to calm down. <laughs> you know, when Jesus was ministering and God showed up, there's some come to him and said, Jesus, can you calm these people down? He said, if, if I quiet them down, he said, the rocks will cry out. So, so don't worry about that. Let we people worship. And uh, that was good, Jessica. Of course, it tugged on my heart when you started singing it. That's good. Well done. Matthew 27. Well, I'm glad to be back in this pulpit. Appreciate Brother Williams running things. Pastor Ashley preaching last week. Did a great job. Wednesday night when I couldn't be here, my wife and I listened to Brother John Ashley preach, and we were ministered to. And uh, just didn't want to turn what I had over to somebody else. So, uh, But I'm glad I'm better and I'm, I'm eager to preach today. And if you're sick, stay away from me, okay? All right. In Jesus' name. Uh, but I love you, but I don't want it, okay? Matthew 27. Matthew 27. And we'll read the f- verse 3, please. Matthew 27, verse 3. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed innocent blood. And he said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Now look over the book of Luke chapter 19, please. Luke chapter 19. Luke 19, verse 41. We'll read a few verses here. Luke 19, 41. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. This, of course, is Jesus. Saying, if thou hadst known, even thou at least in this thy day, the things which belonged unto thy peace. But now they are hid from thine eyes, for the days shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee around, and keep thee in, on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children with thee, and they shall not leave thee one stone upon another." because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Here are two instances in the scripture, and we'll look at more this morning, when there was tears shed and repentance sought, but it was too late. I want to preach a message that's been on my heart for quite a while this morning with the help of God, on when it's too late to cry. When it's too late to cry. Let's pray. Father, help us as we get into thy word today. Thank you for the worship songs. Songs that Brother Tom picked, and of course Jessica's song, they've touched our hearts and prepared us for this sermon. And I pray, dear Holy Spirit of God, you'd help me preach with boldness and clarity. Be with someone here today, Lord, whether it be a child or an adult that's not yet saved, haven't been born again. I pray, Lord, that you'd rest their soul and help them be saved this very morning. And I pray for those that are saved, but Lord, maybe not in a good place. Lord, we all need instruction. We all need occasionally, Lord, encouragement, but Lord, sometimes we need a rebuke. Sometimes we need to pay attention to what you're trying to say to us. 
We thank you for what we've experienced already with Kenny's testimony and all that's gone on thus far. Lord, please bless the preaching of thy word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When it's too late to cry. Now, the Bible records many places in the scripture of people that uh, showed some regret and showed some remorse and even showed a measure of repentance. As we read about uh, Judas here, he, he sought repentance. He thought about it. But he repented, the Bible said, unto himself. And uh, that's, that's a wrong repentance. You see, there's people recorded in the Word of God that demonstrated all these. Repentance, regret, remorse, shed some tears, but it was too late. I have seen this through the years as a pastor, and many of you that have been with the Lord for a long time, you've seen it too, where people have gotten themselves in such a mess, and they've cried tears for different reasons, but it was just too late. God had reached out and tried to speak, but... They waited too long. I've seen lost souls get preached the gospel to, witness to, and then just keep putting it off. And then one day when they wanted to cry some tears and, and make a prayer, it was too late. God wasn't listening. Some seemed to be genuine. But in my estimation, in my spirit, when I watched them, it was disingenuous. Because you understand, there's some people that are sorry only when they get caught. And they shed tears sometimes because they got their hand caught in the cookie jar. Not because they're truly repentant, not because they really want to honor God. Some can shed big crocodile tears, if you would, when certain truths come out in their life. And let me tell you this, lifestyle and lies will come to light. We can only fool some of the people some of the time, but you'll never fool God. Not one time. So God calls preachers like me to get in the pulpit every once in a while and try to remind you that if something's not right with you and the Lord, you better make it right because you may one of these days finally cry and try to do something about it, but it might just be too late. But some thankfully get serious and they get sincere and godly repentance happens. There are signs of remorse for their sin and thank God their prayers are heard. David said he cried unto the Lord, I like this part, and the Lord heard him. And I'm glad he heard me one day, amen? And that's what that song was about that we just heard sung, you know. That, I mean, that woman was in a mess, but her, but her husband came after her. A picture of the Lord not giving up on us. You got people in your life that need the Lord, don't give up on them. Don't quit praying for them. God wants them saved more than you do. Don't give up on them. Got somebody not right with God? Listen, it's tough sometimes, but, you know, pray for them. Don't give up on them. And you know what? Some of them are just, they're prodigals. And one of these days they're going to come home when they come to themselves. And sometimes you and I can't intervene. We've got to let them go and let God do what he's going to do. But there might be somebody out there today that you're, you know you're not right in your heart and in your mind. And one of these days I'm going to get right. Hey, you better not wait too long. Because I'll be honest with you, some people are just too late. There are some situations that are too late. Now, how can we tell if somebody's sincere, honest in, in their repentance or getting right with God? Well, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans sixteen eighteen. he says, For they are such, serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good works and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. 
You see, again, we can fool some of the people some of the time, but we'll never fool our God. And you know, we can't always tell when somebody's remorseful. We can't always tell when they're sorry for their sin, but God always knows. He knows the real from the fake. In Psalm 11, verse 4, the psalmist said, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. In Psalm 26, and verse 2, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. He said, Lord, inspect me. You know, before the offerings went to the went to the altar to be sacrificed before God. And before that offering was a sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of God, you know, uh, they had to be tried. Those priests would dissect that animal and make sure there was no imperfection, no, no tint of, if you would, sin. And then that innocent lamb would be offered up, unblemished, for the glory of God. And God said here in his word through the psalmist of repentant people, they'll say, examine me, O Lord, and prove me and try my reins in my heart. Psalm 139, verse 23, the psalmist said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. There's not a thought in our mind that God does not know about. So the Bible talks about people that shed tears, but too late. Let me give you some examples of that this morning. For instance, Joab cried too late in an altar one day. Go to 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 28 with me. Now, Joab, 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 28, we see that he was a general for David's army. A great, mighty general. He had served David faithfully for a good amount of years. But he fell into cahoots with Adonijah instead of being loyal to David. David advised Solomon, his son, to kill Joab. Now, why was this done? Again, Joab was a loyal captain. He was security chief, if you would, in charge of, uh, of David's army. He had won many, ba- many battles for the king. And uh, many times he risked his life for the kingdom of Israel and for David. We see that in 2 Samuel chapter 2, that chapter. However, he made some mistakes, and when he made those mistakes, those mistakes were costly, and it caused displeasure to the king. And King Solomon brought about his destruction finally, and he had Abner kill him, uh, uh, who he had, uh, he, he tried to make reconciliation, but Joab, he, he felt threatened, and he thought recognized, and he was just covering his tracks. You know, when we do sin sometimes, and we don't make it right, we'll, we'll cover our tracks. And that's what's wrong when we lie. You've got to tell another lie, and another lie, or another deception, and another deception. And we could even look spiritual and play the role at church, but God knows what we're like. And we wonder, where's God sometimes? Where's the power? Where's the anointing? Where's the touch of God? So he killed Amasa. Joab did. And he was made captain. He killed Absalom. You remember how Absalom felt about, or David felt about that. He loved Absalom. Absalom was a, was a rebel son. And he gave specific instruction, though, and he said to him, make sure in 2 Samuel chapter 18, Joab, that there be no harm come to my son. And there's that famous text when Absalom had found, or Joab had found Absalom caught in that tree by his hair, and he slew him, and he came back to report to David, and here's what David said, is the young man safe? So many sermons have been preached on that text. 
But you see, he thought he was doing the right thing when he did the wrong thing. And direct disobedience to the king had to be dealt with. Why did David not forgive Joab's mistakes when he had done so many good things for him for so many years? See, that's where we're at. We, we got this idea that I could do a bunch of good things and I, I can do some, some terrible things and it's all going to balance out. No, no, that's not the way God works. And here Joab was thinking, he was trying to mount up all his, There's some people out here, maybe you think all your good works are some, uh, amount to something someday, and I'll get into heaven because of my good deeds. No, you won't. The Bible says, For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We can't say that our works will get us into heaven. Not by works of righteousness as we have done, but according to his mercy saves us. By the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. It's a work of God. And so we got people, and even Christian people, after we get saved, we got this idea that somehow we just lined up all these good things, and we did some bad things, but mostly good things. And, you know, God doesn't work that way either. I'll tell you, if it wasn't for the goodness of God, we wouldn't have any good works. So it's really God working in and through us, so we we can't get boastful in that. So Joab, he, he, he slays the, the rebellious son of David, and David's not happy about that, and and so David says to his son, there's a time of retribution. Again, you cannot directly disobey and lie to the king without ramifications. Kind of sounds familiar. One too many weeks ago, security advisor, retired General Michael Flynn was fired. You know what he was fired for? Not because he talked to the Russians. Because he lied to the vice president. And everybody was wondering, what's he going to do about this? Well, he had to. You can't have direct disobedience. You can't lie to the vice president and get away with it. And everybody's up in arms about it. Well, it's the same thing we see in the scripture here. You can't do the king wrong and say it's okay. Now, Joab, he got on the wrong side of David. And after the king's death, his son Solomon comes a-calling. In 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 10-12, through 12, you can read that Benai became the new security chief. Solomon's new administration. You know what his first deed was? So that the hammer down. He was the gun. He was the assassin, if you would. Kind of sound like the mafia. You're going to get even. Okay? That's the way it was. Back in biblical days, when a new king came in, then the royal seed was all dealt with. You understand that? But in this special regard, although David sometimes didn't do things speedily, he made sure the job got done. And Solomon, his son, made sure the, got, the job got done. Because again, we cannot directly disobey the king without ramifications. And listen, it reminds us as Christians, we cannot continue to disobey the king, the Lord Jesus Christ in our life, and get away with it. We don't know. You know, sometimes there's just out and out sin and rebellion that can be seen in people, and everybody sees it, God sees it. But you know the most scary kind are the ones that are covered up, and it's in the heart and life of somebody, but it's not easily seen because they're good at hiding it. Where's your heart today? What's your relationship with the Lord today? Again, we can fool some of the people some of the time, but we'll never fool God. Again, here's a man, Joab, who, you know what he does? He, in, in 1 Kings, I told you to turn there, we need to read the verse now. In 1 Kings uh, chapter 2, and look at verse 28. The Bible says, Then tidings came to Joab, and Joab had turned after Adonijah, 
Zoe, uh, turned not after Absalom, and Joab fled into the tabernacle of the Lord and caught hold of the horns of the altar. You know what he's doing here? Read the rest of the chapter. He's getting a hold of the horns of the altar. That's where God said, get a hold of those and we'll make sure there's a trial. We'll make sure you're rightly judged. But here's a man that was what? He was, he was seeking repentance and crying some tears, but it was too late. Because in verse 34, it says, So, so Benani, uh, the son of Jehoiada, went up and fell upon him and slew him, for he was buried in his own house in the wilderness. You see, he cried those tears just too late. And there could be somebody here today, God's trying to get you to repent, turn, get right. And you say, well, not today. Well, don't wait too long. And then go to Hebrews chapter 12. I'll show you another illustration in Scripture of a man that cried too late. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 16, we read these words. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with what? Tears. Now, the Holy Spirit of God took this account in the Old Testament, made sure he repeated it here in the New Testament to remind us of this occasion. Esau waited too late to shed some tears. You know, they had this birthright situation. Esau was the firstborn son. He was a a man of the world. His brother was more spiritual than he, and he was a man of the field, and he went out hunting, you remember that? And here's his brother, Jacob, coming in unto his father and deceived dad and stole that birthright. But the real story was Esau didn't want anything to do with spiritual things. He didn't want anything to do with the birthright until it fit his schedule until he saw that it would benefit him. And so he comes from the field to his father after Jacob had gotten the blessing already, and he comes in for that blessing, and he realizes that Jacob had gotten his blessing. And boy, he's upset, and he said, Father, bless me anyways, I can't. I'll give you a blessing, but I can't give you the firstborn son blessing. That's already out. And so here's what Hebrews tells us. The writer, I believe Paul, is writing and sharing with us to remember this, that you can shed tears, but you can shed them too late. You can come to God, but little too late. He cried, Papa, bless me. But Papa said, I wanted to. How many times does God really want to bless us? But we miss the intended blessing. Doesn't mean God can't bless us again. Doesn't mean God won't bless us. But we may never get what he intended for us because we came too late to repentance. Obviously, the major one that we started with today was in Matthew chapter 27, and that's referring to Judas. Judas was one of the original disciples of Christ. And in Matthew chapter 27, again, we read verse 3. And it says, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself. That's the key. And brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed innocent blood. And, and, and what is that to us? They said, See thou to it. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, and he departed, and he went out and hanged himself. Here's Judas, now trying to show repentance, 
But it's not repentance to God, it's repentance to himself. And he sheds some crocodile tears. He goes off into eternity without God. Another illustration of somebody coming too late. Judas was privileged. Again, he was one of these original disciples. He had an awesome privilege. He traveled with the Lord, three and a half years ministry. He saw all those miracles. He saw, heard all those sermons. He, he was part of that intimate dozen men that the Lord had chosen for earthly ministry. He kissed the door of heaven, but he missed heaven. And he saw, how'd that happen? So people must lose their salvation. No, that's not what it, it teaches. John chapter 17, verse 12 says, While I was with them in the world, I kept them, Jesus said. In my name, those that thou gavest me, I have kept none of them as lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. The word perdition there means destructed, waste, damnable, devoted to destruction. The root word of this word perdition means the destruction which consists of eternal misery in hell. In other words, Judas could have had been saved many opportunities. He could have gotten right many times. But he chose not to. What are the reasons? I don't know. But he chose not to. But he, he come up one day too short. He cried tears, but it didn't mean anything. He didn't go to hell because he committed suicide. He went to hell because he did not believe. And he sinned against God. He did not repent of his sins to God. And Judas sought repentance with tears, but it was too late. Now these are just three illustrations in the Bible. But there are many more. I'm trusting God will speak to us today. I just want to approach these texts, give you a few points, and we'll be done this morning. I've got lots of points. I told my wife as I was studying, I said, man, I'm so excited to preach again. i got too much to preach. So I know where to cut it off. I might even cut it off before that, but I just want to give you these and think about it today when it's too late to cry. First one this morning, too late to cry when harvest is past, summer has ended, and you're not saved. Jeremiah chapter 8 in verse 20, the prophet Jeremiah said, The harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we are not saved. What a great text. What is Jeremiah speaking about? He's speaking about lost opportunity. He's talking about people, the people of God that Jeremiah was trying to win back and get them back to God. He is punishing, in Jeremiah chapter 8, the people of God with chastening. And he's talking through the prophet to tell God's people why. Read, read Jeremiah, the first eight chapters, and God's people had gotten so messed up, so fouled up with the world, and they really weren't repentant at all. You know, God told Jeremiah three times, do not pray for these people. Now here's a prophet called of God. He said, don't pray for them. It's not going to do you any good. Now, what would that be like? You know, sometimes you feel that way as a parent or a preacher or a, a sibling. You feel that way sometimes as a brother in Christ with a, a sister in the Lord or a brother in the Lord where you, you shed some tears but you feel like it's not getting anywhere. Amen? Now, I want to say something to us. It's never too late for us to cry tears trying to get somebody saved. Keep crying. Keep going to the Lord. But those that are rejecting God can just wait too long. And so God cries through the prophet Isaiah to his people. See, it wasn't Jeremiah crying. It was God crying through the prophet. 
at the condition of his people. They were so rebellious. And God was opening their heart, trying to open their heart unto himself, but they were so stubborn, they refused God. But here's this God, this gracious God, this merciful God, who is so patient and long-suffering to them. And although they weren't turning to God, he kept preaching to them. He kept giving them opportunity. I've seen some people through my lifetime, God given them so many opportunities, and they keep saying no. With maybe the thought, one of these days, I'll make this right. One of these days, I'll say this, it may be the last opportunity, the last call, the last invite of the Holy Spirit. My mind goes back to a, uh, a preacher preaching in a tent meeting, and he had preached what God told him to preach, and the power of God was there, and people were getting saved, and there was one lone man standing at the back of the tent. God had broke his heart about his sin, but he would not come and get saved. He just dismissed it and left. Two or three nights later, in the same tent meeting, that man came back in the, under, the, under the tent, opened up the flap, got in the back, listened to the preacher, and the preacher tried to preach the same kind of message, preached the same kind of message, Other people were saved, but he didn't move. He told the preacher afterward, he said, I just can't get that same feeling back. I can't get that same broken heart. I can't get that same conviction that I had that first night I was here. And you know what? That preacher kept coming to that church year after year, and guess who'd show up year after year? That same man would come in the back of the tent, stand back there waiting for that same feeling, that same conviction, that same dealing, and it never came. What are you trying to say, preacher? You can tell God no one too many times. See, I don't draw the line of demarcation. God does. But I tell you this to remind you that you can't keep telling God no. You can cry tears too late. You can come to God in a way that you say, no, now I'll come. You know what God says sometimes in his word? He said, hey, I'll not hear you. Now, God's a God of grace and God's a God of mercy, but he's also sovereign God. And I want us to understand today, many people in the scriptures, God tried to reach out to them and they kept saying no. Jeremiah the prophet says, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we're not saved. I'll never forget my dad, after my dad got saved, God dealt with him for several years. And I remember telling him, I remember my dad telling me after he got saved, uh, he told me, He said, I remember you preaching a sermon one Sunday morning that God really got a hold of me, and I never got over it. And I said, what was that? He said, you preached that message on, he said, almost quoted it. He said, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and I'm not saved. That's how he said it. And he said, you know, that bothered me, and that bothered me, and I never got over that one sermon. All those years, that bothered me, that bothered me. And here's what my dad said after. He said, I'm so glad I got saved, and I don't have to worry about that message anymore. And I was glad to hear my dad say those words. Because I knew the dad before he said those words. Before he got saved. And I'm telling you, you know, God is merciful to all of us. Thank God we're saved. I'm glad there was a time and a place in my life where God convicted me of my sin. And I believed on Christ as my Savior. And he saved my life and changed my life. And I'm so glad of that. And he's led me all these years. But I know there's many people that have that same opportunity. They keep telling God no. Why would you tell God no? I think one of the main reasons is because you just don't 
want to yield. You don't want to submit. You don't want to surrender to God. You know, God's got a way of knocking out the stubbornness in us. Many men are so strong-willed and self-centered and think they've got it all in control. Not a one of us one day is going to be as strong as we think we are or how we've been, especially standing before Almighty God. We're nothing. If you're here today and you're not truly born again, you better get saved. Because sometimes those tears come too late. Sometimes there's no more opportunity. Then it's too late to cry when the death angel has passed over. So you just talked about that. No, this is different. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 29 through 30, the Bible gives us a story about the, the Egyptian, or the, the people of Israel in the land of Egypt, and they had that 400 years of bondage, and finally God's letting his people go, and God gave instruction to the children of Israel. He said, you uh, get you a lamb uh, without blemish, and you, you get that lamb, and you catch the blood of that lamb in a basin, and you take that blood and you with a hyssop, and you put it on the doorpost, uh, the upper doorpost of your home and the side post, and God said, when I pass over and I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And God was going to send the death angel. It's the last plague of the Egyptian. And every firstborn uh, son would be born, would die that night unless they had the blood on the doorpost. Well, you know what? That instruction was given to Israel. Israel had to obey. I believe if they didn't obey that, they would have died too. But every one of them did what God told them to do. But in that night, the death angel passed by, and the firstborn of Egypt all died. And the Bible talks about the weeping and the wailing and the lamenting that went on by those mothers and fathers losing their firstborn sons. God had given them the remedy, but they didn't listen. They didn't obey. The death angel passed over. It was too late. You know, God's looking at the heart of everybody here today. Has the blood been applied to the door of your heart? You've got to open up that door and let Jesus in. Now here's the thing, you just talked about this, you said, no, you said it was different, Pastor. It is in this regard. There are some people that you and I know that we're not burdened for, we're not praying for, we're not dealing with, and one of these days they're going to die, and then we're going to say, oh God! One of these days they're going to be sick and we're going to say, oh, let me go talk to him. Let me go see her. Let me go give grandma and grandpa, aunt and uncle, friend, a neighbor. Let me go tell my brother. Let me go tell my sister. Uh, but, but listen, it might be too late. You better know right now whether they're saved or they're lost and you need to go to them now while you can talk to them. And it won't be easy. It'll be very difficult. But you'll be so glad you did. One of these days, the death angel is going to come a calling. Have you ever spoke to him about Jesus? Have you ever talked to him about the blood that can wash away their sin debt too? Amen. In Isaiah chapter 38 and verse 2, there's another illustration of a man who called on God too late. Go to Isaiah 38. <clears throat> this man, of course, is Hezekiah. Listen to what God said to him in, his, in, in Isaiah 38. Verse 1, then those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. He wasn't a little bit sick, folks. He's getting ready to die. And uh, Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thy house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Now watch what Hezekiah does. Then Hezekiah turned his 
face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee how I walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and was and had done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. <clears throat> then came uh, the Lord, uh, the word of the Lord unto Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, The God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. See that? Behold, I will add unto thee fifteen, uh, add unto thy days fifteen years. Now here's a man who God says you're going to die. And he turns to the wall and he begins to cry out to God and shed some tears. And you know what God did in his mercy? He gave him 15 more years. God does hear our prayers. But you know, after God had helped him and healed him and raised him up, you'd think a guy like him would have served God. But you know, good King Hezekiah's testimony was good to that point. But after that, he did a lot of terrible stuff. My thought is, what if God gave you more time? What would you do with it? What if God gave you more years? What would you do with it? What if God gave you the opportunity today? Listen, if you're lost, what if God gave you the opportunity today to be saved? What would you do with it? If you're already saved, but you're not right with God, and God gave you the opportunity in a sermon like this, and invitations about to happen, what are you going to do with it? You see, we cry unto God, and God can hear our prayers. It's not always too late to cry. I, my message is when it's too late to cry. But sometimes God extends even more long-suffering and even more mercy. But do we have the sense to accept it and do something with it? Or do we say in the same pattern? Hezekiah, man, he messed up big time in those 15 years. Maybe you need to cry out to God and say, God, give me more years that I might glorify Thee. Not just be selfish. It's too late to cry when the death angel has been dispatched in some instances. Ezekiel 18.4, Behold, all souls are mine, God says. The soul of the Father, so is the soul of the Son, is mine. The soul that sins, it shall die. One of these days we're all going to face death. Where are you going to stand with God? Where are your loved ones going to stand with God? I'll give you these and I've got to wrap it up. Too late to cry when we've lost our testimony. That's a tough one. Go to Psalm 137 with me if you would. Listen now, Psalm 137. Too late to cry when you lost your testimony. Psalm 137 verse 4. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? God's been trying to get a hold of these rebellious Israelites again. This is a pattern with Israel. I mean, over and over again, they get right, then they'll do better, then they get out of God's will, then they'll do better. But isn't that just us? I mean, that's just us. Why? How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Here's why they were sad. They lost their testimony. They're in bondage again. Too many of God's people don't heed the warning of God. And they go right back to what they were involved with before. But one of these days, after God has given us so many opportunities, it's going to be too late to cry. We'll blow our testimony. You know, you can spend an entire lifetime building a testimony for God, and in just a, just a little bit of time, lose it. And sometimes lose it forever. I am thankful for some that have done wrong and they did right. 
You know, David was a wicked sinner, but he was a good repenter. And I've known some people that have done wrong and then made right, and then they went on and served God, some of them to a great degree. And that's a great thing. What an opportunity. But far too many have blown it, lost their testimony, and never seek to regain it. Just a lot of tears. Choose sin over God. Whether it be drink or drugs or porn or lust or wrong relationships or wicked associations or worldly living or getting swallowed up in sin. Sometimes it can be too, become too late to cry when bad choices are made. Proverbs, we told, told our kids this through the years. You probably did too. Proverbs 1.10, My son of sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Don't do it. Don't go there. Don't get involved in it. And they go ahead and do it anyway. Hmm. Then years later said, man, I've lost my testimony. Oh, Doc Green used to say, for the number of years you lose your testimony, at that point it might take you that much time more, if not more, to ever get it back. So, for instance, you not get right with God and you wait 10 years. It might take you 10 years and even more to get back where you were. Now, I don't know. That's just a statement from a preacher. But that's a preacher that observed life for a long time. And what does that kind of statement say? It says people can wait too long to make something right, lose their testimony, and never get it back. Maybe some of you have lost your testimony. Listen, God is gracious. And I told you, I've seen many that made the right decisions, got things right, confessed their sin, got mercy when they quit doing whatever they were doing. But there's some just keep making the same mistake over and over, never making anything right, crying tears, but to no regard. You see, you can wait too late and lose your testimony. You know, as a preacher, as a Christian, and some of you listen to me, we have testimonies that we do not want to lose. You can serve God for years and years and years and then lose it all in a decision, in a moment. In a series of decisions. And your testimony never be the same. Hey, churches can have great testimonies for a long time. And allow sin to take over and reign. And never get that testimony back. Amen. Families. Marriages. Uh, I, I deal with sometimes people that I used to pastor. They'll call and ask for help. I used to be their pastor years ago. And it's hard sometimes. You don't want to tell them no, so you meet with them. But you see, <coughs> you see the carnage of their poor decisions. And they lose their testimonies. And boy, it's hard to get them back online, that's for sure. Don't do that. Let me give you these and I'll be done. It's too late to cry when you've wasted your life. Here's Judas. He walked with the Lord all those years. He could have been a great man of God. But he chose not to. He said no, although he sought it with tears. You can do the same thing. You can be gifted of God and blessed of God, and God be calling out to you for you to be used of God, and you can tell God no one too many times and waste your life. How many people have been called of God that are not in the ministry? How many people have been spoken to by God to get involved in, in a ministry, in a work for God, but they say no to God? And I meet them through the years where they'll say, 30 years ago God dealt with me and I didn't do it. I wish to God I'd have done that. And some of them go meet the Lord that way. No, they don't lose their salvation, but they lose their reward. 
and they have to stand before the Lord that called them, hang their head, cry tears. The Bible said, He shall wipe away all tears from my eyes. I believe that's where it happens. When remorse finally sets in as we stand before God on the things we could have done and should have done for God. Old songwriter wrote these words out of, out of Mark chapter 10, verse 21. Go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, take up thy cross, and follow me. And here's the song. I wish I had given him more. By and by when I look on his face, beautiful face, thorn-shadowed face, by and by when I look on his face, I wish I had given him more. More, so much more, more of my life than ever gave before. By and by when I look on his face, I wish I had given him more. I wonder, are we going to sing and lament when we stand before him someday and say, I wish I'd have served him. I wish I'd have taught that Sunday school class. I wish I'd have kept that bus route. I wish I'd have surrendered to preach. I wish I'd have sold out for God. I wish I'd given him more. Some in the matter of living a blessed life, a God-honoring life, again, too many prodigals don't come home. And here's where prodigals have to reach before they do. They've got to come to themselves. And we as parents and teachers and Sunday school teachers and authorities that have been in their life, until they come to themselves, we can't really help them. But when they do, we need to be there for them and help them. Now, Kenny illustrates today he was never a prodigal, I don't think. Maybe he thinks so, but, but he could have been. Maybe he was on his way to be one. But God intervened in his life now. He's the assistant to the pastor. I was so glad to hear him say, I just want to be used. <laughs> All of us that knew Kenny when he was younger, wasn't that a blessing? I know that's a blessing to mom and dad and to his siblings. But see, he made a choice. Too many make the wrong choice. Hmm. It's too late to cry to show appreciation to someone that has blessed your life. I won't preach these. If somebody's been a blessing to you and a help to you, tell them so. Don't wait till it's too late. And you go and see them at their funeral and cry some tears. And write those letters now and make those phone calls now and hug their neck now and tell them how much you appreciate their investment in your life. Do it now. Young people, wake up to the blessing you have in your parents. Quit being so critical of your parents and negative about those in your life that tried to get you to do right. Because there'll be a day maybe you'll want to say thank you, but it'll be too late. Too late to cry when Jesus comes and you're left behind. It's too late to cry when you die without a Savior. So here's my thought today. When it's too late to cry, now is the time to cry out to the Lord. If you need to be saved, come on, come down here. We'll take the Bible. We'll show you how you can trust Christ. Don't you wait any longer. So I don't know for sure. Then come and get assurance. 
But don't you wait, because one of these days you're going to cry and say, Oh, I wish I'd have got saved. Oh, I wish I'd have served God. Oh, I wish I'd have got right. Oh, I wish I'd have shown some appreciation. Oh, I wish I'd have surrendered to God. Oh, I wish I hadn't lost my testimony. You're going to come up one of these days shedding tears, but it'll be too late. If God's dealing, then you listen and respond to the Spirit of God. Let's bow our heads if we would. Every head bowed. Brother Tom's going to come and give us an appropriate song to sing for the invitation. 1 John 1, 9 tells us if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe you need to come today. Come cry at the altar and worship God. Come cry out and praise. Come cry for forgiveness. Come cry for salvation. Cry out to God for your marriages. Cry out to God for your kids. Cry out to God for your family. Come on, cry out to God for your testimony that you can keep it or get it back. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Come talk to the Lord. That's what altar calls are for. Father, do a work in our hearts during this invitation. And Lord, we'll give you the glory. Promise to give you the glory, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.